On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Dossier, presented by Metro by T-Mobile. Reggie Wright Jr. is a former Compton police officer who started Rightway Security in 1995. Reggie was the head of security for Suge Knight and Death Row Records. He has found himself still to this day embroiled in the controversy and stories behind the murders of both Tupac and Biggie. When it comes to all the information as it relates to the murder of Biggie, most of it is now scattered across the internet with various interviews and sound bites from all the major players, theories, and truth that is convoluted and fractured. That is why I was encouraged when Reggie Wright Jr. reached out to producer Nicole Luciano and said he wanted to sit down for an interview with Phil Carson and myself. I wanted to hear from Reggie himself on his own story and the many questions that remain about this case. Here is the unedited audio interview we conducted on December 7th, 2020. Phil, are you there? Yeah, here. Reggie, are you there? Yes, sir. How you doing, Phil? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. So your time at the at the con I'm not gonna spend that much time, but I'm just curious, what was your time at Compton Police Department like? How old were you and what was that like? Yeah. So I started off in the jail uh in nineteen eighty five is when I first got hired. I, I was hired as a community service officer and a uh and then eventually became a jailer for the city of Compton <clears throat> until nineteen eighty nine. And then I went to the police academy in 1989 and became a police officer, police recruit for those six months, however long it took to go through the police academy. And then 89 until uh, 1996, I was a police officer. So technically, what's that, seven years? Yeah. Uh, seven years. And but for the city of Compton, you know, for 11 years as a, you know, jailer slash police officer. And your father was there at that same time, right? He was he was in sort of the upper echelon of the Compton Police Department, correct? Uh, uh yes. Uh, you know, most of that took. Uh, yeah, I guess he started promoting in like eighty. He promoted because he started late as a police officer. To be honest, he didn't start until uh, nineteen seventy nine, actually, and uh, he. Um, he was like 30 years of age when he became a police officer. Uh, but he was a reserve for three years prior to that, from 1976 till 1979. Uh, but yes, so he started promoting, I think he made sergeant in like 87 or 88 or something like that. And what year exactly did you open up or start right-way security? Uh, 1995. I had a uh, traffic accident. Uh, actually, the first accident I had that messed up my ankle, the 
caused me to get vascular necrosis within 1995, uh, maybe 1994, I forget. December the 17th, uh, 1994, I had a traffic accident. And then I uh, rehabilitated, came back to work, and then I uh, re-injured my ankle on the job. And when you started Rightway Security, you said it it was, so we're saying 95, 96, roughly. And as someone who owns a security company, it's not uncommon for police officers to work for a security company, right? That was, that's just standard practice. Correct. That was my sales pitch. Back then, if you know, prior to 90, you know, to actually 94, 95, Everybody was just having the big, big, big heavy set of guards. And my, my pitch to uh, the record labels and to the company was to have police officers that can be good witnesses and, uh, uh, for the inmates because, not the inmates, <laughs> the uh, artists, because, you know, they didn't, they had that, that image of not wanting to, uh, you know, get on the stand and testify. And so that was my guy's uh, job to do. They wasn't hired assassins or anything like that. Um, but they were hired to be good witnesses. When you when you say hire them to be good witnesses, are you then assuming that when these guys, these cops become, you know, security officers for these uh rap artists, you're then jumping to the assumption that there's gonna be some some altercations or or what have you? That that was that, that, was, that had happened. That had happened yeah. and so yeah. You know, Jake you gotta remember the record company had just came off of the Major lawsuit with Snoop Dogg, and, and right. um, the main reason for that was because uh, their bodyguard wasn't really armed. I mean, he wasn't even authorized to be armed, uh, even though you know it prevailed in the lawsuit. But I mean, in in the uh, in the, the criminal part, they ate their butts off in the lawsuit, in the civil lawsuit. And I think it's fair to say too that uh, this should say a fair number of the the artists uh had convicted uh felony charges against them so they couldn't physically be allowed to carry weapons and so obviously having a police officer being able to carry a weapon was something that uh that the artists i mean that 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 made them happy that they somebody was there they could be carrying a gun and legally be doing it as well i'm sure that 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 um helped you know with the, the sale pitch but my main sale pitch was the part about being a good, reliable witness. Okay. So it's fair to say you hired from Long Beach PD, Hawthorne PD, Inglewood, Compton, LAPD. You hired and recruited from all of the surrounding police departments, correct? It was pretty much guys that want to work. To be honest, originally, originally, I had a good, a good team of officers. I had uh, about six or eight from Compton. I had uh, uh, about three or four from Long Beach. I didn't have any from Hearthon, and I didn't have any from Inglewood. And then I had Kevin Hackey from Compton uh, School Police. And then I had later, I you know got Rich McCauley from LAPD. But originally, it was mainly the Compton police officers that was working for me. However, um, my chief pulled our work permits sometime during that. It was before the L Ray incident. Our, our work permits got pulled, uh, but for some reason, our work permits got pulled, and um, and so I lost a lot of the Compton cops. Mainly had retired police officers, or retired police officers, uh, 
And like I said, the only LAPD officers that I have, let me reiterate, the only ones that ever worked for me was a guy named Rich McCauley, and he didn't start working for me until about uh, about 1995, 1996. And um, McCauley, I had like two other ones, I believe Ken Sultan and uh, David Love, that like one or two video shoots for me. And those were the only LAPD officers that ever worked for me. So that was uh, my next question. So you did hire Richard McCauley, um, and he did he did work at Death Row. Yes, he did. And would it have been uncommon for other people to have been hired at Death Row without you knowing? Oh, for sure. Uh, as far as law enforcement, police officers or security um, should then hire any uh, security uh, police officers. Um, uh, you know. He left that up to me. I was out of a friend, and he put that in my hands. That's why he always say, anybody, if you talk about cops, he always will tell you, those are Reggie people. <laughs> um, he, he had no relationship with any police officers. Gotcha. And one, one name that I'm curious about and, and what he has stated and, and where you where you or your knowledge of this lies is, you know, there was a guy inside the LAPD named Kenneth Knox. And Kenneth right. Knox was doing an investigation into the studio in Tarzana. And Kenneth Knox, you know, is one who writes a report that states that David Mack and Raphael Perez were at that studio. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I've never heard that or read that anywhere. Um, and I don't read some of Kenneth Knox. I read that even in and liberates his book, and that was never mentioned there. Uh, Kenneth Knox were trying to do an abatement on the studio, uh, but Kenneth Knox told some lies as well because he tried to make it seem like he interviewed or talked to me before. I wouldn't know Kenneth Knox if he going to slap me right now. I've never met Kenneth Knox before. His informant was mainly Kevin Lewis, who was the studio manager. That's the only person that had a relationship with Kenneth Knox. And Kevin Lewis worked at the studio in Tarzana? He- he was in charge of the studio, Kevin Lewis. And so you're saying you had no knowledge of of, of David Mack and Raphael Perez being around the studio in Tarzana? They had never been up to the studio at, at all. I would have known if any cops were coming in up to the studio. Trust me, my, my security would have been talking about it. I don't even think your boy Kevin Hackey even said that. <laughs> or any any security ever even said that. But they came up to Tarzana studio to Canal. Okay. Now, in, in 1996, in sort of the summer uh, around that time place, there seemed to be some federal investigations that were going on into death row by the ATF, the IRS, possibly the FBI. When you guys were going through that, was that sort of, was that something you were aware of or, or was something, it was information you found <laughs> out later on? I didn't find out about the investigation until after uh, Big Chick was taken into custody <laughs> on the probation violation. That's uh, Dan McMullen and an ATF agent by the name of John met me at the uh, House of Blues, uh, House of Blues, and I'm um, on Hollywood on Sunset, and said that they needed to talk to me, and they wanted to uh, put some things on the table and let me know what was going on, and it was being investigated. And so I guess that's why. Bill Carson calls me an FBI warrant because he knows. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Reggie, hold on a second. When have I ever said that you're an FBI informant? They specify on, on the broadcast. 
on the podcast. No, no, no you're missing here. You're, you're, you're listening to the wrong podcast okay. then. I have never, uh, ever stated you were an FBI informant. I want to be clear about that. Okay. Well, that's good to clear up. <laughs> okay. So, that's what I just want to make sure. Okay. Well, no. That's, it's, okay. It's people, that's a, I respect right. that. I respect that. All right. I respect All that. Right. Okay. But I was like, whoa. The only time I can be able to consider an FBI informant is when I talked to, uh, I did, and I did talk to Dan McBullen. And Shelly was aware of it, and um, David Kenner was aware of it. And, um, you know. All that let, me, let me ever. let me let me let me backtrack. Well, first of all, why don't you tell people who Dan McMullen is? I know who Dan, Dan McMullen is, but why don't you say Dan McMullen is an FBI agent that was assigned to uh, investigate a death row for, I believe, those uh, items you just uh, you just laid out. And I think the main reason they came at me because they found out I was a witness on Alton McDonald's uh, case, where Alton McDonald was known as Vuntry. Was they they picked up case and tried to go after him federally for a gun arrest, and I had witnessed the gun to be in possession of Zeke a week prior to that, and I was testifying on behalf of uh, of Alton McDonald that that Zeke is the one who had that gun and threw that at Alton McDonald's feet when he was exiting the car. And they just wanted to give my uh, testimony prior to going to uh, court. Okay. Is Dan McMullen the only FBI agent you've ever spoken with? Yes. Well, in regards to that, uh, I... No, I'm I, talking about I, at, all, at all. No. In any, in any uh, of your dealings. I talked, I talked to uh, an FBI agent by the name of... Uh, I believe his name was LJ. I called okay. him LJ. He was investigating uh, racketeering or not racketeering, something going on in Vegas as far as um, politicians being on the tape. And I uh, brought Teresa Swan down there to uh, talk about some dealings with the club uh, where they thought uh, some, some Vegas uh, politicians were on the tape. Okay. No, you're, no you're, you're correct. And by the way, just to kind of maybe fill in a couple blanks, LJ was my partner and you, you've met okay. with me too. Just to let you know. Oh, okay. You I may didn't not, even know that. You may not. You may not. No, and, and you know what? I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but uh, no, we've we've met numerous times. Just to let you know, I and apparently don't remember me, which is which is understandable. It's been so many I years. I remember that name. No, I didn't. Okay. I remember no LJ. Yeah. Uh, L- but, LJ but there was, was somebody with LJ. Okay. Yeah. Okay. LJ yeah. was my partner. Okay. And uh, by the way, when you see your father, Reggie Senior, you can tell him I said hi as well. So uh, he may not remember me. Got him out here thinking he's he's corrupt. (laughs) What's that? Everybody got him thinking that he's the most corrupt competent officer ever. Put it this way. I have no control over what other people say. But like I said, I've never said you were an FBI informant. I've never said your father's corrupt. Um, So I'm just I'm just being straight with you. Right. Okay. That's all we can do. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right. Sorry, Don. Go ahead. Appreciate you saying that because I believe Mark Anderson. I believe Mark Anderson was the one, either him or Mike Coet was the one that facilitated coming down meetings. I don't, I think it was, uh, I believe it was Mark Anderson that, 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 that made the introduction. It was a competent okay. police officer that uh, worked on a federal task force with you guys. Yeah, well, Coet ended up working on the, the, um, 
the task force with me and all the other guys as well too. Right. And that's why I so. always laugh with Richard. Uh, y'all guy, y'all Richard on the show. Um, Valdemar. Valdemar, and he, right? And he said that I'm a pie rule, and I never arrested any any pie rules. And I'm like, boy, I arrested Poochie before, I arrested Neckbone before, and and he talked to Mike Coet. I'm sure he explained the reason that a lot of things happened was because of my relationship with Mike Coet. And I was like, I don't know why Richard is, is, is making all the allegations because he don't, he doesn't know me. I don't know Richard at all. Okay. Anyway. All right. Anyways. And so at, at, this, okay. at this time that all of these um, federal investigations were going on, what were they looking into? What, was it guns? Was it drugs? What was this all okay. about? Well, we're talking different time periods, so we better get our time periods right. <laughs> um, and McMullen was going, I, I really believe it was the gun case and um, with, with Buntry, but that stopped in like 2000, two, um, in 2000. 9 happened, and they just, the I uh, just started focusing, you know, on the terrorist act, on the, you know, the terrorist thing. And all we were found guilty of were failing to file uh, federal income tax. Meaning death row records, misdemeanor filing. That's all that came out of that investigation. Now, hey, can I ask you one? I'm sorry, go ahead, Rich. Uh -huh. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was just gonna ask you one question. I want to make sure I, I understand this correctly. All the security for death row records, Shug handed that over to you, so you ran all the payroll and you did all the hiring and firing or what have you of the of the officers that work security for death row through rightway securities. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. That is correct. Okay. Are you aware of any officers that were actually hired by death row records and paid under the table? And if so, do you know how they were paid? Okay. The only person that ever, you know, cause I talked to everybody after all of the accusations come up is Sharita Knight uh, says that for a private party that Snoop had, in like 94 or 95, he had for his, a family reunion or so. Family reunion. She hired, she hired because she was his manager, four or five cops that were Kevin Gaines' friends who work private security at, at the family reunion. And I don't know if this was before right way was was around. It had to be because I always had two two guards on on, on Snoop, and my two guys would have told me, which was Marcus and Kenneth. Those were the two Inglewood Unified School Police officers. So they definitely would have told me. And so I believe those are the only time that I ever know of any, uh, any police officers been hired. So if I were uh, to tell you, okay. So if I were to tell you that there were police officers that were hired directly by death row and they were paid under the table and we knew how they were being paid under the table and were able to track it, you would be aware of all that? Of course, of course. Okay, okay. Yeah, I will be unaware, and I would, I would like you to tell me who they are, because it's easy just to throw it out. <laughs> but, no, I'm just, I, yep, I'm just asking if you were, if, yeah, no problem. Uh, All right. Okay. Now, let me say this: there was another incident where one LAPD officer, and this is before I started working for Defro. Uh, it was a Snoop Dogg's um, uh, album release party on a boat, a yacht. Uh, there was one LAPD officer. I heard they uh, got in trouble or something like that that was working on the uh, 
on the boat or something like that. And he's the only other off, but his name was Donovan. Uh, he wasn't one of the guys that, you know, everybody always mentioned in this Rampart stuff. He wasn't one of those guys. That's the only time the the only time that you're aware of it. And that's like ninety four, ninety correct, ninety four, ninety three. But like I said, that's okay. just from learning things after all of this stuff. I didn't even okay. know about this prior to uh, working. But while you were running, but while you're running Rightway Securities and you're providing security for death row artists, you you're you're telling me you're not aware of any police officers that were hired for security for death row and that were being paid under the table. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Reggie, just so we're clear, the list of people that, and I don't know the full list, but it was Kevin Hackey who was from Compton. It was mm -hmm. Kenneth Archer. Was it Kenneth Archer? Those are those are what came later, but he worked Inglewood High School Police. Yes. And Leslie Leslie Golden. Another Inglewood Unified School Police. Kenneth Cooper. Kenneth Cooper. No, uh, Hagen Cooper, he was a, a retired uh, sergeant from Banning PD, but no, uh, no Kenneth Cooper. Ma Michael Moore? He was the, the fireman, uh, federal fireman, yes. And Al Gittins? He was a retired, uh, a reserve member in Dino County Sheriff. And, and the rumor that, which I don't think is true, but you can tell me, the, the officers... Um, that were doing security. And there were plenty more. There was plenty more, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. The 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 officers that were doing security for Biggie on that night, um, Rick Stewart, Kevin Lane, Caesar Herrera, Dorian Burton, Rick Swell, and Reggie Blaylock, they never worked for you, right? That you never oh. provided security the night that Biggie was was killed, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And names, you don't know those names, or, or did you come across those just, names? Just coming across from reading, you know, from reading in books and stuff like that. I followed this Got you. What happened. Yeah. Got you. Well, what was your relationship like with David Kenner? Was he a business lawyer? Was he a criminal lawyer? Or was he both? What, what was your relationship like with him? David Kenner is one of the top five smartest men I ever met. Uh, he knew how to talk and put things in perspective. Got to part with his hands in the cookie jar, uh, which was making shit uh, push away from him. But he made a lot of good. He did a lot of good things for Shug Knight and Death Row Records. And he, um, he was both though. To make you know, to answer your question, do you still have a relationship with David Kenner? Are you guys still cool, or or did that did you separate yeah. yourself from him? Uh, David Kenner, I can call him right now, and we'll speak or talk. But, um, you know, I haven't had a reason to really need him. If, if my case would have been federally that I got caught up for, I would have been in L.A., I might have used him. I'm just scared of David because he's always sick. He's very sickly. And he used us to, to miss a lot of court dates. Uh, but he's um, a very smart attorney. Uh, him and David Chesnall, um, I think they're uh, two good attorneys. But. He's old now, you know, so. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So when Suge went to jail um, behind, behind the events in, in Las Vegas, 
What was the agreement between you and Suge? Was was it that you were going to run Death Row Records? Was that what really happened? Or was it more of you just were kind of in the middle of things? Yeah. So that came on later. What happened was I was actually trying to break away at that time. My plan was just to go ahead and I had started doing work with MAC-10 um, security, you know, in this video shoot. I was trying to branch off, branch away, to be honest, you know, to give, keep my security company going. And his brother-in-law, who was in charge at the time, Doris Anderson, he lost um, interest. He he had some domestic issues going on with, with his with his sister, Karen, and he didn't care anymore. And things were falling apart. I'm not even talking about the record company. I'm talking about things personally. Automobiles where, where, where people were just driving around in his cars and this guy named Denny from Ultra, Ultra Limousines and stuff had his wife driving around and shit with 500 bin. And people were just taking advantage of the situation. And I was like, wait a minute, I know it wasn't like this. And so that's when I inserted myself as far as trying to get his stuff secured, his property secured. And people were trying to hide me from me, meaning Norris. I found out later. But Shug wrote me a letter, which uh, the FBI got uh, when they raided my house. Not the FBI, but uh, Russell Poole and them got uh, when they raided my house. And it's like, man, what's going on? I haven't you know, heard nothing about you. And uh, I heard you had your son. No, it was actually my daughter. I heard you had a daughter. Congratulations. And um, it was like nobody had told him anything I was out there doing. And so that's what Mr. Lay was like. Shug wants you to come see him, Reggie. And I came and saw him, and he was like, man, I thought you abandoned me. <laughs> you know, nobody's telling you anything, telling me anything about you. And I was like, well, I was sitting back, you know. And he was locked down for a while, and then from there he was like, man, I'm going to get rid of the Norris, and me and you going to just take care of dealing with stuff, get everything back in track. And that was like in July of 1997, and uh, that's when I took over. And just went from there. And when when did it go into bankruptcy? What year was that? Oh, that was uh, 2007, uh, 2006. So that was. So for time. for for ten years, were you involved, or did you leave at a no. certain point? No, I left. And uh, when he came home in 2002, he brought all the homeboys. I had pretty much got rid of everybody. That's when I was working. Got a professional staff and. Had the company doing okay, uh, you know. Um, had got Dan McMullen and them, uh, the U.S. attorney. Uh, I forget if he was an Asian guy, Kwong or Queen. Forget his name. But got them off our back, and we started. We was doing good. <laughs> and he came back home on the gangster tip, and that's when I was like, okay, I I, I can't have my doors kicked in no more by the FBI, uh, or, or LAPD. Trust me, it was about to happen. The things were just going on, starting all over. I saw 95, 96 all over again, and I didn't want that. And so I left. I left the company and went to start working for a company called American Music in Downey, California. Got it. Around the time of all of this stuff, Chief Bernard Parks did an interview and went on the record and stated that LAPD officers worked for death row as security officers, and many of them were involved in crimes. 
We all know that Chief Parks has never really spoken that much about this, but he did go on the record and say that. How do you answer to that? That that he's basically saying LAPD officers worked at death row and committed crimes. Now you have stated it's only Macaulay, so there was no other LAPD officers that worked for death row, to your knowledge. No other, to my knowledge, no other. It's kind of muffled. I can't understand. Okay, to, to my knowledge, no other LA officers other than Dave Leon. I believe his name is Ken Fulton and Rich McCauley. John, I can't understand. Can you just again into the phone, Reg? Yeah, I couldn't understand okay. anything you're saying, Reggie. Sorry about that. Okay, how about now? Perfect. Yeah, that's good. There you go. Okay. Yep. I said, to my knowledge, no other police officers work for Defo Records. Uh, but Richard McCauley, Ken Sutton, and a David Love. And David Love and Ken Sutton, if they work for me more than two times, I would be surprised. So where do uh, Chief Parks get that from, statement from? Uh, I don't know. Um, but Richard McCauley is the only one that worked for me. Okay, let me. Let me throw something out there. When the, uh, when the El Rey Theater shooting happened back in, uh, was it March of 95, there were a ton of police officers that were working off duty um, for private security for all the artists that were right there. After that shooting happened, all of those officers, they gathered them up and not one of them said they saw anything. A okay. bunch of those police, a bunch of those police officers were LAPD. Okay. That's when hey, Mark, hold on, hold on, not that. Okay. Let me just add a little bit more. Okay. After that happened, that's when Parks finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. We know this has been going on. I've been telling our police officers they can't do off-duty jobs at death row records. Um, there were memorandums that were put out there that, that people have. I don't know if they're public or not, but people have them. And finally, after the L.A. Theater shooting happened and no police officers said they saw anything, which means now you don't have witnesses, that's when he finally said enough is enough and he's not going to allow LAPD officers um, to do private security at death row. Yes, that's that's okay. where probably Parks is. Then he probably had that press conference that Don was referencing. So go ahead. Let me let me say this. Number one, it wasn't a shooting; it was a beatdown. It was a beat, no, yeah, no, I was no, a gang no. member. Yeah, but number two, Death Row uh, didn't have uh, security uh, at that location. It was a private security. It was the, the L. Ray security was the one working for her. And those were, if any L. A. P. D. officer was working there. They were working for the security company that had a security contract at the L. Ray Theater. All correct. The two, but there, no, there's, you're correct. But let me stop you for a second. Okay. There's two different security companies that are going on though at this time. Correct. El, correct. El Ray Theater has their own security, but correct. the individual artists also have their own private security who were with the artists inside the L. Ray Theater when the beatdown happened of the gang member that got killed. And 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 the. There are all artists that have security there all uh, worked for right way at that time. And that was some Compton police officers that were disciplined. Or we, we came and met with uh, the black officer from the Wilshire Division. Uh, uh, get his name. Uh, after it all happened, we reported it. I had a strap on walls and let the chief know that we were there. And um, because we had also had the order where we wasn't supposed to be working there. but. I uh, had like four guys there. I was working with artists. 
and they were all cop cops. There were no LAPD cops even there working for me at the time. Code 4 was a private security company that was owned by a guy named Tom Lee that was one of the security companies that ran the outside the door of the location. But inside the location, a private security company that had a contract with the LA Theater, and I don't know where any of the officers work for or work at. In, in, uh, with Kevin Hackey, Reg, um, you know, there's been this portrayal of him as he's crazy, unstable. The thing I'm curious about is, and, and I know this, I, I don't know if it happened. It, I think it happened in the last few years. Kevin Hackey sold his security business for millions and millions of dollars. Um, he had a great contract. You know, he had all the Verizons and Del Tacos. Great contract. Yeah. Not Verizon. So, Was it Verizon or AT&T? All the AT&T's. Yeah. I mean, I have heard in upwards of even close to $10 million or it was a, it was a really large number that he sold his security firm for. My question is, is where, what's your analysis of Kevin Hackey? Is he crazy? Not crazy? A guy who runs a business like that, I would think would have to have a little bit of head on his shoulders, right? Yeah. I, I have no problem. I don't know if you know, uh, Kevin and I have been in communications. Kevin has since apologized to me for all the, the statements. Kevin Hackey, uh, when I was incarcerated, probably put over $1,500 on my book at a time period. Just to say, hey, here's $300. Hope you're doing okay. Here's $300. Hope everything's going okay. <clears throat> now, he wants all of this to go away, uh, mainly because Kevin Hackey did a lot of lying. And... Um, that's why he wanted all of this to go away, because he's worked now for attorneys. He got a private investigative service where he worked for for attorneys, and his credibility will get shot if he had to retract all this, all of this stuff that he's been saying. Um, he, he, I still know he'll never be able to go testify in a federal court again if he has to retract all of the statements that he made because his credibility will be shot, and so that's why he won't talk. Or, or do anything anymore. But no, I, I I hate that, you know, that Kevin was out there with Frank and you know, making all the accusations. Even Frank wanted to apologize. Uh, got him on record. R.J. Bonds was saying how Frank wanted to even apologize. So these guys knew that they were out there making all these false statements against Reggie Wright. And now they all of a sudden want to apologize and want all of this just to go away. But unfortunately, we got conspirators out there that want to keep this stuff going. And I got to fight it. Or I got to respond to it because I can't just let people. I, I mean, I sat back and didn't say anything for 10 to 15 years. And look what type of community grew up from that. It just blew up, meaning that you right killed Tupac and Biggie. You right is responsible for the death of Biggie and Tupac. It's because I never responded. And so that's why now I go hard with responding to uh the accusations because I can't have that be in my legacy. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Your relationship or not, what what was your relationship with Sharitha Knight? Sharitha, Sharitha and I have uh, been knowing each other since she was fourteen and I was sixteen. Actually, uh, she came to a party with my sister, but I used to date her cousin Anita. I was dating her cousin Anita. And that's how uh, Shug and Sharita met at a house party 
in like 1980, I believe, 80, 82. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was the cousin of a girl I dated by the name of Anita Martin. And so I guess we had a good relationship. And were you around when she was around Kevin Gaines? What was your relationship with Kevin Gaines? Never met Kevin Gaines, never seen Kevin Gaines before in my life. I knew I knew that she was dating a cop because I knew the things that she was saying, but didn't have any idea who it was or um, anything about him. But I could tell she was dating a cop. And so when this was all going on, did anyone from LAPD's robbery homicide come and question you as it relates to the murder of Dave? Um, yes. I mean, uh, I don't know if they robbed, robbed homicide. You know, to be honest, I don't know where they were from. But I then had officers come uh, to my office at Right Way Protective Services. And at that point, that's when I turned over paperwork to them. Uh, showing them my payroll and everybody that worked for me. Uh, they were mainly questioning who worked for me and stuff like that. I could, I, I couldn't tell you the officer's name. Uh, I could tell you the officer's name after the great, great Cadence task force, but not prior to that. So let's talk a little bit about, about Greg Cading and, and, and his theory. Just out of curiosity and talking to you, why is it do you believe that what Greg Kading has written and what Greg Kading investigated is the truth? Why do you personally believe that? Mm. Well, number one, because it's crazy to me. Everybody always say, well, keep your deal lying for Greg to cover up or to get out of the case. You guys uh, are getting muffled again. If you can, Reggie, okay. I don't know what's going on with your phone, but it's just really hard to understand you. Okay. Uh, that's that's what, better. Okay, I I, I believe uh, I always believe the Southside Compton Crips has something to do with the shooting of Tupac because that just sort of made sense after the beatdown inside the uh, inside the club and from the investigations that was found, you know, like the the gun, the uh, the ammo, the ammunition that was found by Tim Brennan and them that match ammo that was found at the scene, the white Cadillac. And I thought Bobby Baker, which is the guy I'm sure Phil 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 Arson knows as well. He worked on the task force there. Uh, but I found that, that that to be not true. Well, Bobby Baker had found a white Cadillac that had some repair work been on it that had been shot up. Uh, I, for a long time, thought that to have been true, which I don't think it's, uh, they, that turned out not to be true. Um, but just the two plus two, it's just that simple. That beat down, and they were supposed to retaliate like they did in that game culture world. And that's why um, I believe that. Uh, on the Biggie side, um, I know because of conversations with Miss Swan and the way she uh, was terrified of, uh, of Pucci and how he was always coming, pushing up on them for money. And um, I think she was relieved when he finally got killed. And just from hearing her talk and the, and the fear of, of, of Wardell that she had of Pucci. Um, I got a phone call from Roger Reed, who, uh, who was convinced that uh, that Pucci had something to do with it. And he kind of said, Reggie, you know. And, you know, like 
like I knew. He was like, you know this to be true. The way, you know, that because that, he was trying to tell me that Poochie was out to hunt for me and was trying to kill kill me for sure, which I didn't believe that part. But that's just because Roger Reed wanted to know where Shiv was living because he wanted to have happen to Shiv Knight. Um, but, you know, I wasn't going for that. And I told him I might be mad at Shiv right now, but I don't want nothing bad to happen to him. And so uh, just conversations like that is what made me believe that people believe or took credit for it. To say that it happened, nobody knows of Poochie and God. <laughs> but Poochie so, sure took credit. He sure took credit for it. So my, I guess question is then, if if you believe that Teresa Swan um, was a go-between or an intermediary and in that she delivered money on the request of Suge to have Biggie killed. Um, and you also believe that Greg Kading went and questioned Teresa Swan while holding over her head, you know, immunity, not only for her, but immunity for you. The question I, I still just don't understand is, is if that was what happened, let me, why? Let me clarify. Let me correct something. So that, that, okay. That's what thing that's out there. Reggie, again, try to offer, you're coming. Okay. Reg, Reggie, hold on a second. You're okay. people are gonna have a real hard time following and understanding what you're saying. Just to let you know, it's coming through really hard to understand. Okay. Yeah. Let me try to be a little more clear. Thanks. Okay. Let me say this. Um, I was offered immunity. I you didn't accept what? it. I was offered I immunity. Go ahead. Okay. I was offered immunity. I was never. I never accepted immunity or was given immunity. On any of the cases, it was offered to me. Once I realized what they were investigating, by who? By I was offered by Greg Hayden. At the okay. beginning, they had arrested Teresa Swan, and right when they had her in handcuffs, an FBI agent named Jeff—I don't know the last name—Jeff. Yeah, he was on the task force. Yeah, Jeff, Mike Coyette, and his partner came to my house and showed me a picture. Uh, showed me a picture of Teresa Swan in handcuffs. And they were like, it's going down, Reggie. You know, we just want to show you that this room. And Greg Caden then called me and told me, hey, you'll be coming here. I'm in the pre be coming to talk to me. And I told him, you know, I have my attorney, Roger Rosen, contact y'all. Again, I, Reggie, like, I'm sorry. Reg, Reggie, I'm sorry. Guys, this is, I cannot understand a word he's saying. This is not coming through good. Okay. I think, Reg, you just try it. When you talk into the phone, like directly into the phone, I can hear you clearly. Okay. How about now? That's, that's yeah, perfect. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So, so Roger Rosen was like, uh, uh, I told him to contact my attorney, Roger Rosen, and they sent him a, a immunity agreement. But once I realized what they were investigating, I was like, I don't need no immunity agreement on no biggie shooting and I turned it down and so that's when Teresa Swan though they gave her a they they started meeting with her and I guess they showed her a letter and she immediately started crying and was like and she called me but they let her stop and said Reggie they got me they got me and I'm like what I said shit had you involved in some shit like that and so that's when I called Greg Cadence and said hey Greg the deal that you offered me, I don't need. But 
can you offer it to Patrice Swan? So that's how this whole immunity thing come up. Reggie Wright has never uh, accepted any immunity agreement on either one of the cases. Okay, that, that, thank you for that, that clarification. The, the next question is, is for the LAPD, if they really truly felt that Poochie did it, that Teresa um, did it, why, why were detectives like Steve Katz hiding information in his desk? Why wouldn't they just pr prosecute the case? Even if he's dead, it would make everything go away. Why, why are they hiding files? That part I can't answer because uh, I don't know. But I can also tell you that they were still trying to uh, pursue the case. They had Teresa Swan go and meet with Shed night before. And she tried to get him to talk. And all they got on tape was him pointing at the sky. Telling him, why are you talking about this? The only person that knows about this. He pointed to him, her, himself, and up and up to the sky. Meaning the person that's there. They got that on tape. That's all he was saying. And and this letter that they showed Teresa Swan, you're you're clear. You know that that letter was written and was fabricated by Greg Kading and another officer. Correct? You're clear on that. I'm clear on that. Yes. Okay. They try to show it so to they, me as well. They showed you a fake letter. They try to yes. They brought that to me as well. It wasn't Greg Kading was off the case by then. Uh, Dupree and um. Black, another black officer named Morgan, like that. Uh, they met with me. And they showed me the letter as well. And are y'all aware that I took a polygraph exam on all of this? Um, I'm yeah. not aware of that. No, I don't okay. know if Phil was. Oh, okay. No, you and know what? Just back, back up, back up a second here, because this is something I didn't know. Was when that fictitious letter was written up. Are you saying Kading was off the case or was still on the case? When they try to show it to me, not to, yeah. not to, not to Teresa Swan. Okay. Why wasn't Kading on the case, and and why wasn't he part of showing this letter to you? Uh, he was taken off the case, and I'll show you. I know why because of the the George Tory situation. Because of how he got jammed up on was it false testimony or I know people got released that had been prosecuted on that case, correct? On the Torres case? Correct. Okay. And why well, would they take to, him off? I'm just yeah, curious. Why, uh, what, what's your understanding, Reggie, being a, um, you know, a former police officer? Why would they take Kading off of this case if he'd been involved in it from the very beginning um, after he had been found, I don't know what's the word, um, being involved in the, uh, the problems with the, uh, the Torres conviction? Why would they take him off the... Uh, off the Biggie case because of that. What was your understanding? What would you know be your why. understanding? You know, well, you know I, I want to hear you. Credibility. You know, once you okay. use credibility in the courts, <laughs> right. you're no good to any uh, investigation. I just want to make sure I understand. Katie was taken off of the case that he supposedly was being very much involved with and in part of this fabricated letter, but the LAPD took him off the case because he had lost credibility because of what, false testimony, and they had to overturn some conviction in the Torres murder case that he was involved in? Is that correct? I don't know. I just want to make sure I understand it. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what the situation was. I just, yeah, know. and I don't, I don't want to make assumptions. I just didn't know if you knew. That's what I was asking. Okay. No, I no don't problem. Know.
Well, I, okay. I, I will say that the judge in the case, Judge Stephen F. or Stephen V. Wilson, threw out close to 50 federal convictions because of what he deemed Kading's reckless disregard for the truth. So there was close to 50 federal convictions that were thrown out in federal court because of Kading's credibility. Okay, but do that mean that what he found in this investigation to be untrue? So he had was that sixteen other people that worked on the uh, task force as well. I don't. On, I don't man. have an answer. I don't have an answer to that question. I don't think fifteen of those people wrote a book and made a movie. Yeah, Reggie, you're smarter than this, man. Come on. You, Reggie, you, you're, 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 you're a smart guy. You, you are. I got, I got no issues with you at all. You're a good dude. You're a funny guy, and you're a smart guy. You're a former cop. You ran your own. Uh, Security company did very well with it, but come on, man, you know exactly why he got taken off the case, and oh, you know why, cop, and, and, and and you know why cops get taken off the case because when they do, like you said, when they lose credibility, and this is nothing against Katie, this is against yeah. any cop that lies or does anything to lose credibility, and then to have to vacate fifty federal convictions. Well, my come question on. to you guys are. There were 16 other people on that case. So are they all uh, lying? The other 16? And they weren't all LAPD cops. There were some FBI agents, uh, ATF agents, EA agents. I know, I know, I know. But just, just to clarify, a majority were LAPD officers. I think you had Boetta with the sheriff. You had, you had two FBI. You had a DEA. But again, these, these I think, are Katie's words. Is that He was leading... The task force, which again, that's, I don't know if you, if you, if you ever, and, and again, I don't want to go down the whole Greg Cading issue because I, I've never met the guy. And so I don't, I don't have any issues with him. I just have an issue with any cop that does some of the things that he has been accused of doing and, and loses credibility and gives cops a bad name and then turns around and goes ahead and writes a book, publishes a book himself. When I don't know if you've spoken, Reggie, to any of the other officers on this task force. Perfect. I know Mike Coet very well, uh, okay. Tim Brennan very well, and they're not happy yeah. with him. Yeah. Yeah, they're not happy with with uh, Kading at all. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I've been told this. Uh, let's just say one of the members of that task force is so upset with Kading and the and the the book and the bullshit that's in it that they're thinking of writing their own book to set the story straight, because like you said, it's not, it's not fair to have one bad cop, a task force, um, be representative of say the other 10 or 12 or whatever members of that task force who are doing a good, honest job and trying to get to the bottom of things. Is that fair to say? Correct. That's okay. all my whole point to bringing that up was to say, Hey, yeah. if, if he's bad, okay. But do that make all the other 14 or 15 officers on the case find it to be inaccurate? That's all I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to 100 a day as you work, and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips 
are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special or you and the wife need a scintillating night out every once in a while at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming of age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman 2 will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and seeresses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. Nope, we're cool. So, Reg, you've already said and, and pretty clear that the only LAPD officers that were around right-way security or worked for right-way security was Macaulay um, and the other two officers, Ken Sutton and David Love. I'm going to just pose another question to you, and I don't know if you've ever been asked this. It's one thing if you're running a security company, and and obviously Suge is his own man. He's running around doing whatever he's doing, interacting with whoever he's interacting Is there a world that exists that you're basically saying with all of this other evidence that exists, that it's it's unrealistic that David Mack or Rafael Perez were involved in the murder of Biggie? Are you saying full stop? There's no way they were involved in that murder. Why? I mean, you know, why would they what's their motive for for death row? I'm not saying they didn't do it on their own. You know, if they fans or groupies, like some would like to make them out. Who knows? But I can tell you. You're skirting. You're skirting. The, you're skirting the question. You're skirting the question. No, what Don asked you. I'm going. I'm going to respond you're, to it. I'm, okay. I don't think no one knows them from their pro records. Is what I'm. What, what, what I'm going to say. I. I. They done gave up seventy officers. 
I mean, 70 fellow officers, they have never in life mentioned my name, that they know me or know anything about Reginald Wright, ever. They done turned on all types of people, good friends, best friends, cops, been in the police car with them, and everything. I don't know these guys. They have never mentioned the name Reggie Wright Jr. or Sr. Yeah, no, I, that's what? what I'm saying, though. I'm saying, is it possible, unbeknownst to you, that mm-hmm. this, was, this was orchestrated or happened and, and that it was done without your knowledge? But that's not what the claim's been. That's not what your whole show been about. Your whole show been saying that these people were related to me and had a relationship with me. And I don't have any, I don't know these guys. They never even mentioned my name. There's been phone records. I'm sure y'all don't put my phone record. There's no phone records with, with me and them. There's no trace to any of us, but everybody want to keep linking, linking them to us. Well, I'm not I mean, even telling sure. this. I'm not finished telling the story. That's why I'm sitting here talking to you and, and asking okay. these questions is okay. is for that particular reason. Is is this idea, you know, that there there is an overwhelming amount of evidence and an overwhelming amount of things that went on inside the LAPD to protect these two officers and to protect not letting that information be put out into the public or be put out into the criminal justice system. And you have to ask why, you know, and, and I'm, I remain to, to be swayed either way, but I yeah. just say, Hey, Reg, you, you were run a business. It's, it's not like you could keep your tabs on hundreds of people or 50 people or whoever was around Suge at all this time. Is it, is it, seemingly possible that it happened somehow, some way, unbeknownst to you. I mean, I'm sure that could have happened, but that's not what the accusations are. And I'm just saying that I don't believe Suge Knight knew Rafael Perez or David Mack. People try to say that they grew up in in Compton. I never even heard of David Mack. I don't even know what neighborhood he grew up in or where. People just say he grew up in Compton with with Suge, but never show where. Tell us the street. Give us the address. Where? We don't know anything about these about this man, but everybody's throwing that out there. Let me ask Where? you this, Reggie. Let me ask okay. you this. It's a known fact that David Mack grew up in Compton. Okay, it is. You hold on, Reggie. You know that. Okay. I know that. Let's not bullshit around. I don't know that. Let's I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know anything about this man other than he ran track in Oregon. And used to date Flojo. Okay. 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 Well, let, let me let me fill you in on a couple things then. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. David Mack grew up in Compton. Whether Where? you know it or don't Where? know it. Where? Where, Phil? Bro, you want me? To, you know what? You want Where? me to tell you the exact street number? Please. I, put it this uh, way. Put it, or, or just, me just a, Reggie, 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 slow down. Slow down. Oh, yeah. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Did Suge Knight grow up in Compton? Yes, he did. Okay. Do I do I know his address? But you know, know, you know what area, you know what area, you know, he grew up in the mob area. Compton is, Compton is not a big place. Eight miles wide. Eight miles wide. Yeah. It's not a very big place for, that's the first city. That's not a very big place. The point I'm trying to make, Reggie, is, is don't, don't try to, I want to make sure this comes across right. Don't, don't, don't nitpick facts. That's a big thing. That's a big thing, Well, no, no, no. growing up when there's no proof of that. 
There's no pictures. There's no phone records. There's nothing. And people keep trying to trying to connect these men to to us, to show, to myself. And there's no there's no evidence connecting us to this man, to these two men. None. What? Okay. Other than Kevin Hackey, this who is- retracted, who all of y'all witnesses Reg. retract. Reg. Every last witness Reg. recanted. Go ahead. Reg. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. When, when did, at what age did you grow up in Compton? Oh, I, age, I moved out of Watts. I, uh, first grade, so, well, first grade would make me uh, seven, seven, seven. Okay, when you're seven years old, what, what year was that? When you're seven uh, years old, what year was it? 72, I guess. 72. Okay. Did cell phones exist 72? Oh, yes uh, or no? No, we're no. talking about. Let me I'm do it. Yeah, exactly. The, the answer so is I'm no. I'm talking about when we were adults, when we was running Death Row Records. Okay, no, no, no. no you're, you're asking, Reggie, 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 oh, yeah. you're skirting the issue by saying that where's the proof that David Mack grew up in Compton, okay? Let's cut the bullshit. David Mack grew up in Compton. We all know it. Maybe you don't know it. Maybe you're the only person in Compton that doesn't know it, but he did. But don't skirt the issue by saying, where are the phone records? Okay. I'm talking about phone connecting us to it. I didn't, that has nothing to do with him growing up in Compton. I'm asking for phone records you said about. That. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. I, I, that was a two part question. I said, I said, where's the proof that he's connected to us? And I said that by phone records. And then I asked, where's the proof that he grew up in Compton? Okay. What high school did two he go parts. to? Two parts. Hold on. Slow down. Slow down a second. Two parts to this. Two parts to this. Okay. There's not going to there's not going to be cell phone records and there's not going to be cell phone photos from back in say the 70s because cell phones didn't exist then. Okay. Okay. Now now the other thing. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The other thing then you say is is okay. Where are the cell phone records when we're adults regarding with David Mack? Okay. Are you are you aware of the cell phone analysis part of the investigation of me and the FBI? Are you are you are you aware that there was a cell phone analysis done? And if you were aware of it, do you know what the results of those of that analysis was? You tell yes me. Yes or no? I don't know. No, no, I don't no I'm asking you. you don't I don't know. know. Exactly. I don't. Okay. Okay. It's been stated in the L.A. Times by Chuck Phillips, who got the information from the LAPD, who I was briefing, that there was a full cell phone analysis investigation going on on Amir Muhammad. Okay. Now, are you aware of the cell phone analysis of Amir Muhammad's phone, both cell phones, business phones, and home phones? Are you aware of that analysis? And if so, are you aware of the results of that analysis? Are you, are no, you aware of your No, but I would, love, I would love for you to say. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, you, okay, Reggie, but you know oh. there are certain things that cannot be displayed out there if they're not public oh. knowledge. You, you, know, no, you know that, right? You know that. Just like, just like we can't, we just like we can't come out. out Y'all putting everything else out there. No, no, Reggie, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to go down this road. (sighs) The stuff that I've talked about has been put out there, but not by me and not by the FBI. Okay. Okay. All the, all the information that's been put out on this FBI investigation was put out by Chuck Phillips and the LAPD, period. And if you go back and look at any of these articles where people from the LAPD, deputy chiefs are quoted, and they state about what's going on in the FBI investigation, and then there'll be parts where they say the FBI was asked to comment 
and they would not they would not deny or confirm that there's even investigation going on. That's how the FBI rolls. We don't just go out there looking for the publicity and just start talking up about all of our cases. That's why I think we're a little bit more well respected than a lot of other or probably I all federal agencies. I agree with that. Is that fair? I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. Okay, so okay, so so if there's something that's being put out there, LAPD that says there's a full cell phone analysis been done on Amir Muhammad's phone, you don't know the results of that, do you? No, I don't, don't know the results, right? but but okay. I know well, it would have leaked out if if it was connected to Suge Knight, oh, really? Delphi Records. Oh yeah, would have. Oh been. really? Yeah. Who would who would leak that out? Who would have leaked that out? Because nobody knows about it than the FBI, right? Nobody knows about all that stuff other than the FBI. So who would have had to leak it out? Well, th- there was a task force in 2008. You don't think that uh, Greg Katie's in there? No. Uh, had, had access had to a- that? No, no, I don't. You don't they think the three FBI agents that were on, on the task force didn't have access to that? They were federalized. Yes. That doesn't mean that they had access to those cases. And, and not even the FBI agents? No, the FBI agents would. But no, I'm saying and you no, don't they're, think they're they would tell? And, so, and they wouldn't tell? And they wouldn't tell the people in the task force? No, I don't know. No, they wouldn't. No? Okay. No, All right. You wouldn't okay, know, you are you, know are you, better than that. No, 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 no. Are you aware of all the surveillance that was done on Amir Muhammad? Because, again, I can talk about that because that was leaked by the LAPD to the LA Times, and it's in LA Times articles. So that's why I can talk about it. So are you aware of all the surveillance that was done on Amir Muhammad? And if so, are you aware of the results were of all that surveillance? Well, yes or no? I think I'm aware of that he called the police when, 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 when your crazy informant went knocking on his door. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. That was the operation with Psycho Mike. I'm talking about the surveillance done. Are you aware of all the surveillance that was done by the FBI? And if so, what were the results? Are you aware of no, any I'm of not. that? No. Okay. No. But so, I'm aware. I'm aware that Ellie. I'm. I'm aware that the civil lawsuit was dropped. He was immediately dropped from the case when uh, it was proven that he had an alibi for where he was at. And the Wallace family dropped him from the uh, civil lawsuit the next day. I'm aware of that. Okay. Okay. So if you're going to say that he, there was a proven alibi, okay, tell me what that alibi was and tell me where you heard it because it doesn't exist. But you, you say no about that. Tell me about so it. So why was he what dropped? Was why was he, why was no, he dropped? No, 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 no. Tell me, why was he dropped? He wasn't no, dropped. You just said, you just, no, I didn't say he wasn't dropped. Don't, don't be okay. putting words in my mouth. You just said, that after he was deposed, he was able to prove he had an alibi of where he was when the shooting occurred and that that's why they dropped him. I'm asking you, how do you know that? Where, where is that coming LA from? LA Times. LA Times. LA Times. Reg, man. No, you're, you're better than this, Reg. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to protect you from yourself. And there's only so much I can do. Okay. Um, <laughs> so wait a minute, that's I, not true. Wait a minute, I'm making, I'm making stuff up. I made that up. He was not dropped. From the the civil lawsuit, once he proved that he had an alibi, is that true or not? Is that true or not? After the deposition, I don't believe that to be true. No, he was dropped from the he was dropped. But what you're saying about him coming up with an, a proven alibi on where he was, you're wrong. Okay, you're incorrect. Okay. Right. And okay. I don't. That's why I'm saying I don't know why you say things like that, and I don't know why other people say certain things regarding this case. When they when when they're factually incorrect, that's the whole problem that I have. 
I mean, here, here, here's, here's an example. Here's an example. And, and trust me, Reg, I, I, I don't have a beef with you in, in terms of the time I met with you. You were very friendly, funny. I, I have no issues with that. The problem I have is, is when, when you or others just blurt things out to try to promote a certain narrative and are factually incorrect, they're wrong. Let me give you an example, okay? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you did a YouTube interview from prison recently with a guy named John from, uh, uh, what Bomb was it Bombs. called? Bomb? Bomb. Yeah, Bomb First, First Podcast, mm-hmm. right. Okay. And in and, and a quote from you, it says, Phil Carson was not on the case when Gene Deal talked with the FBI. And you start laughing. Now, that's actually incorrect. And let me go ahead and fill you in on something, Okay. Okay. I opened I opened up the Biggie case at the FBI on April 16th of 2003. That's okay. documented, okay? okay? Okay. Just just over a year later, after the investigation had been going on with me and the FBI, on May 12th of 2004, I went back to New York and I brought a new agent that was on the FBI with me because I needed a second person there, and I talked to Big Gene for the first time. No, no agent had ever spoken to Big Gene before that, okay? okay? The case was open. Why would you then blurt out during this interview to say that I wasn't even on, the, on this case when the FBI went back and spoke to Big Gene? Okay. Not that that's, not that hold hold that's any earth. Go ahead. Hold on. I'm saying be, when he identified, when he's identifying people in the six-pack, he identified people in the six-pack on... Not from the FBI agent, or not from you. He identified them from the six-pack on the Bloomfield documentary. That's the first time he ever said he was shown a picture of of Amir Muhammad, and and that was prior to you opening up the case. No, but what I know the the point I'm trying to make, Reggie, is you're saying things I think caught up in the emotion of stuff that are factually incorrect. Are you are you aware that? When those police officers went back and showed those photos um, to Big Gene, there were four detectives that went back there. Are you aware that it's documented of not only the six packs that they showed him and the results of those six packs, but it's also documented of the photo that they showed Big Gene of the person that was standing next to Puffy's car that Big Gene confronted? Are you are you aware of? I'm assuming because you talk a lot about that. I'm assuming you're aware of all that, correct? I'm aware that he identified three different people prior to identifying Amir Muhammad once it ran in the LA Times. Okay, that's what I'm aware of. Okay, and 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 how are you aware of that? Because you're you're wrong, by the way. But what what makes you aware of that? What are you basing that off of? LA Times statements. Okay, so. What a, a a report from Chuck Phillips? Is that one of the mm. one of the nine or ten bullshit articles that he's written, and that he is now he's he even admitted to me issues that he had with the LAPD, and that he wanted to show me certain things, and that we actually had meetings then with Chuck Phillips. He actually did phone calls with our assistant directors and all my bosses. And now that he's now he's in hiding right now because of not only recorded conversations that he did illegally with the LAPD, God knows who he might have also illegally recorded while he was running around with Suge 
and death row and all the artists. So that's the person you're reading one of his articles. And that's what you're basing all of your answers on today is what you they read in the recant. LA times. And when everybody's what? about to go to a federal court, everybody recants. Everybody, all of your, hey, what let me you ask you this, Phil. Let me, let me ask sure. you this, Phil. What, who, which one of the witnesses or statements, because they all have different statements. So who are you basing? Who is the one that you, that's most believable to you? Uh, of, of all these uh, alleged witnesses, or, or are you just taking con- pieces from? What are you taking pieces from each one? No, because you yeah, can't so have. Go ahead. Are, are you are you asking me which of the seven or eight FBI witnesses. confidential informants? Confidential informants yeah. that you believe? Are you talking? Are are you? Yeah. Oh, uh, seven all. or eight? Oh, I believe them all. Absolutely, I believe them you all. Believe, or oh, you, you believe? You believe? Wait a minute. Hold you on. believe Hammond? Yeah. You believe Mario Hammond? Who said he brought Tupac to death row, and well, that well, he well, protected Shaq from getting Reggie, off? You're asking, Reggie, you're asking uh-huh. two different. You can, here's what I'm saying: you're not thinking before you're talking or asking questions. What I said: Do I believe the seven or eight FBI informants of this case? My answer was yes. And then you start going off. Well, you go ahead and you mean Phil? You believe Mario Hammond? What, are you jumping to the assumption that Mario Hammond was an FBI informant for me, and he's one of the seven or eight I'm talking about? Why are you jumping to a conclusion like that? That was number eight on the dossier. I did a whole segment about Mario Hammond. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, let's back up for a second. Let's let's just be, let's just clarify something. Mario Hammond gave a deposition. Mario Hammond's in that deposition stated a few things. Now, that did not come from Phil. That did not come from the FBI. That deposition I was, uh, I, I acquired. And you know what, Phil? I think I, I, I credit the whole dossier thing, uh, and I got to learn to keep you as a, as, a, as a guest on the dossier and not the dossier show because I, you know, hear things that was put out on the dossier and I contributed to you. If, you. if you hear something out of my voice or you have a document it's got my name on it. One hundred percent, you can associate my name with it. But that's okay. the problem, Reggie. With and again, I'm not. I'm not just singling out you. But there's a lot of people out there that just paint this broad brush of generalities, and they don't state the facts, and they don't state the specifics. And and it and it sucks because. Then you have to sit there and like, okay, do I have to defend every single little time that somebody says something bad about this case or bad about me? No, I'm cool with that. If people want to talk shit about me or shit about the FBI or shit about the case, what? that's their prerogative. I, I can put on my big boy pants and have thick skin and not let it bother me. But what bothers me is when people start saying things that are factually incorrect and try to use that to discredit uh, this case. It's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And a lot of things, Reggie, that you've said today, I'll be honest with you. A lot of it is true. And that's why I let you just keep talking because a lot of what you were saying, yeah, I can, I've corroborated that. But there's a lot of things that you said today too, that are factually incorrect. They just are. And maybe one of these days, me and you can sit down and we yeah. can kind of go over this, but, but there's a lot of things that you're saying today about death row and about Suge and about who committed murder or who could have been involved that are 100% factually wrong and it's documented. It is, period. Okay. It's that simple. Well, why, why, why did the U.S. attorney decline to file charges on any of it? That's a great, that's a great question, Reg. 
100% agree with you. It's a great question. I wish I had the answer. The only, the only analogy, in fact, a lot of people have asked that. Here's, here's the other, here, here's what I kind of tell a lot of people in, in kind of a, a roundabout way. The Jesse Smollett situation that happened in Chicago, you're aware of that, right? About, yes, you know, supposedly he made those false allegations about being targeted, right? Okay, yes. you saw the police chief. Yeah. He, he had several news conferences and he said, look, we investigated this thing thoroughly. There is no stone unturned and we put together a good investigative report. We handed it over to the DA's office. And what did the DA office, DA's office do, Reggie? What did they say? Yeah, pretty much gave him a slap on the wrist. Yeah, no, they declined it. They declined yeah. it, right? Okay, and you've well, got the police they, chief saying, no, they declined well, the case. They, they, and now they're they, looking at it again. No, no, you remember they didn't have a, a community, uh, got community service, and I think a fine, didn't he? No, they yeah, declined to, they okay. de yeah, they declined to prosecute him on those false charges. And the police chief, and, and, and the whole police department was furious, was correct? Furious. They were correct. upset. Okay, okay. Now, let's compare that to this, the Biggie case, in, in kind of a roundabout way. I put together a full prosecutive report. I sit down, not just with my supervisor, and not just with my supervisor's supervisor. I sit down with our assistant director. I sit down with our legal department. I sit down with our press information department and I go through page by page of the entire prosecutive report that I presented to the U.S. Attorney's Office. I do the, you know it, you know how cops, how the relationship with uh, the prosecutors work, Reggie, you were a cop. Yeah. We do right. the investigation, they decide to prosecute and put on the prosecution. Okay. Okay, they, they declined to prosecute and it's documented that they would not provide me a letter of declination. Not just once, but several times. And each time that they declined to provide a letter of declination, I documented it. That's in the case file, as well as the prosecutive report. Now, are you aware, did, did Greg Cady and, did, and, and people on his task force, did they ever look at that prosecutive report? Do you know if they did or did not? I, I don't know. You, you don't okay. know, exactly. I don't know. Okay. Okay, just like a lot of the things that, that have gone on with this FBI case, as well as probably a lot of things that went on with Greg Kading's task force, you don't know what went on in those specific cases, do you? No, you don't. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's, 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 if you believe all that, and you believe all, if you believe all of this, and you believe I was involved in, 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 in the, I, I didn't the, say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say oh, that you were involved. I didn't say you were not involved. Okay. I said, but if but, you but do here, believe that, let me just ask here, you this. Here, oh, yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rich. Why, why didn't you ever come knocking on my door and, 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 and talk to me? You, you saw the 302s on me before, right? You know that I was an open book, cooperate. Why you never came and just said, hey, Reggie, I want to talk to you about these, about these things. You want me to answer? You know, you want I, me I knew. You want I me to answer? Hold on. Hold on. Oh, Re Reggie. If that's your question, do you uh, want me to honestly answer it? Yes, sir. You sure? Because I'm trying to protect you from yourself here. Uh, no, go ahead. Okay. Okay. We did talk to you, Reggie, in its document, okay? This is what you I'm trying to, to explain to you. Yes. This is what I'm trying to explain to you, Reggie. <laughs> yeah, whether, you remember thing, whether you remember things or don't remember things, I don't have control over, okay? Okay. Yes, it's documented. 
Okay. Now I want, here's, here's a good way to, I, I want to kind of segue out of this because I am trying to protect you. Okay. You understand that the FBI, and I think there's probably a good way to, to, to end this part of the discussion. Okay. Back then, when I was working this case, there were two types of sources that the FBI had. They had the kind of source, we call them a 270 source. And that basically meant it was somebody that was trying to work off a beat, like they had been you know, arrested for drugs, or let's say they were in prison. Which, and which Kevin Hackney was, make oh, sure oh, you oh, let oh, people know. Slow down, huh? slow down, slow down, slow down, okay. slow down. No, slow down, okay. I didn't say that. And a 270 source is somebody that's willing to testify. They, they're, they're willing to get a break on whatever the situation they're caught up in. And to try to get a break, they're willing to testify. They have to testify or we would not open them up as 70 source. Okay? okay. Period. The other type of source is what we call the 137 source. And that's somebody that's not willing to testify and we will never divulge their information and we will never state whether they were an FBI source or not. And the reason for that is for a couple of reasons. One, it's not only to protect the source, but two, it's to show sources out there that when the FBI gives their word, when they want somebody to cooperate, if that person is willing to cooperate, but they don't want anybody to know that they're cooperating, they don't want anybody to know the kind of information they're providing or what the reasons are that they are providing the information and cooperating, that we will never divulge their name. That includes even in front of a judge. Okay. Now that's, that's a pretty strong relationship that the FBI would have with what we call the 137 source back then. Okay. You, you understand that you understand the distinction between the two, right? Okay. Yeah. Got you. Okay. 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 Let's just leave this right now then that okay. at first you didn't think that you'd ever met with me. And now, 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 now you want to use LJ now, partner. I, I mean, uh, uh, what exactly. LJ, if you was the LJ partner, then I agree that I met with you before. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? For your own, Reggie, let me, you got to trust me on this for your own safety. Let's just move on to something else. I'm, then, okay. I'm not worried about it because it's, it's obvious. Well, well I'm, I, yeah. It's for your own safety. <laughs> Anyways, right. Anyway, okay. The I'm other just thing saying, Reg, be, care, be, be careful, Reggie. When you and, and here's the thing, I, I and I've even if I did, on, even if I did talk and, and, and said anything to you, I'm sure uh -huh. Greg Hayden and them and all of them got that information, and so they had that information in, in, in their files. Let me let and me so, tell you this right now. Let me tell you this right now. Okay, what? if I had a 137 source, not just for this Biggie case, but for all the other cases that I've worked. Those documents would not get handed over to an LAPD officer. Period. Not I just got done telling you. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I just got done telling you we would not even provide that information to a judge. Okay? okay. So okay, I'm so there's certain now also when there's certain files are restricted, okay? That doesn't mean that just anybody, that means any FBI agent even could go in and say, take a look at another FBI agent's case file, period. It's a need to know basis. You're, you're under this assumption. And again, Reggie, this is where you keep making this mistake. You're assuming things that are just wrong. You're assuming that any, any FBI agent or anybody that's been deputized as an FBI agent is gonna have access to all FBI cases. That is incorrect, period. 
It is. Okay? So okay. what I'm saying, it's probably in your best interest that we move on to something else. You can trust me or don't trust me. It, it's not because it's, you know what? It's no skin off my back. But I think we can now agree that, yes, you have met with me. Yes, you have talked with me. Yes, I've met with your father. Yes, I know what your background is. In fact, I mean, in some of these other interviews that you've done, you keep saying like, Bill Carson doesn't know shit about me. I've never met the guy. You're, that's wrong, isn't it? This is that's the first that I, wrong. I hear that. And if you, if you, I remember LJ. And if you said you was his partner, then I met with you. Okay. But he did okay. have somebody with you. Okay. Yeah. We should probably, okay. I think we'll move on then. I have one other question. Oh, sure. Go ahead. What's that? Um, what are y'all thinking about Biggie's mother coming out recently saying that she believed 98% of uh, what that, Greg Katie's finding was to be, uh, to be accurate? That, that, is, is, that is not true, Reggie. That, that never happened. That is not true. She what, said to Kading, okay. she said to Kading, and I, well, I verified this. She said this on the uh, Breakfast Club. But well, go ahead. She she said to to Kading that if the people that he said did this crime were arrested, that she would believe Greg Kading. She does not believe Greg Kading's case. And to say otherwise is is disrespectful because it never happened, and it's not the truth. Did you see the, bre the Breakfast Club interview? I did not the see what? the Breakfast Club interview. You should look at the Breakfast Club interview, and then and then you would understand what I'm saying. I I will watch that, and and I'll circle back if I was wrong. But I have a direct quote from Perry Sanders. I spoke to him about that. And he said she has never said that she supported Greg Kading or his work. Uh, and that was, that'll leave me with just my last question. Is okay. Greg has said himself that the internal affairs department within the LAPD had refused to share any of their information with him. And that the guys within the risk management division of the LAPD told him that he could not have any of the discovery or any of the information as it pertained to the civil suit. Now, if you know, Reggie, and I don't know if you know, and I'll tell you this, when the LAPD had to hand over discovery because they were ordered by a judge, there was massive amounts of information that was handed over, okay, to the Wallace family that became part of the court case. And these documents are official documents of the court case. And inside that, and I'll leave you with this, there's an internal affairs report that was created by the LAPD, not Greg Kading, not Phil Carson, by the LAPD Internal Affairs Department that goes on the record in 2001 and states that David Mack and Raphael Perez were involved in this murder. It's in black and white. It's in a document that I have with a file number on it. And all I'm saying here is, is I don't understand. And I'm not saying you were involved or you were a part of it or you had anything to do with it. But what I don't understand is why you believe Greg Kading when what he has said is just not true. And I'll ask you why, why you continue. And I don't say like, listen, I understand why Greg Kading continues to tell that story. 
You don't have to because you're 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 a free man. You don't have a book. You don't have a TV show. You don't have anything other than your Reggie Wright. And I don't understand yeah. why you keep supporting this man in public. And if you want to answer that, that's just my last question. Okay. I just believe, like I said, uh, from the conversations with Teresa with Swan, and it just makes sense. And what keep you decent? That just makes sense to me. And I don't understand why you guys don't want to believe what TPD uh, uh, statement Well, is. Well, TPD, um, I'm not saying that TPD, as it relates to the murder of Chuck, is incorrect. I haven't done enough digging of that. Uh, if you believe Teresa Swan and you believe Greg Kading, um, I, 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 listen, I can just say that that's your right, right? And that's your say, opinion. No, no, and let me say this about Teresa Swan. One thing she always said, she don't know if it happened or not. She doesn't know what the man trying to take credit for doing. So you're okay, so Reggie. Let, let me let me let me ask you a quick question then, because I'm I'm a little bit confused here. You're okay. saying that you believe this whole narrative regarding Poochie based on Teresa Swan, who you're saying she's not even sure about what happened or why it happened, and then Keefe We all know who Keefe D is, and we're all cool with the Tupac situation. We're not talking okay. about Tupac here. Okay. I think okay. I mean, we we can put the, let's put that to rest. Okay. Okay. Everybody gotcha. between me, you, LAPD, and the Las Vegas PD, we all know the whole Tupac situation and and and, and that whole murder. Okay. So, so let me ask you this, just, Phil. So you no, believe? Oh, oh, oh. So you believe let's that, that. You no, believe the Tupac? Oh. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's the thing. I, I just like to I put did, that because people believe your Phil. You have a big a big um, voice in the in in the, in the community. And so I just was trying to get you to say you do or don't believe uh, uh, the the KPD situation of Tupac. That's all I was trying to get you to say. I, no, I I didn't investigate the Tupac murder. Okay. I looked I looked at certain aspects of that as it relates to the Biggie murder, but no, I didn't put it this way. Go talk to the Las Vegas PD guys. I mean, they they they've done a full investigation on this whole thing on the whole Tupac murder, but that's not what this is about. But I think I think we can all come to a, a fairly good consensus that we can put the whole Tupac thing aside. Now, whether they want to charge somebody or not with that, that's up, that's up to Las Vegas PD. We're t I'm talking about the Biggie case here, okay? Because okay. My, big, my big thing, and, and again, Reggie, you need to understand, when I opened up this case, okay, I didn't know who the hell Biggie Smalls was. That wasn't my angle. My angle was, from all the other previous public corruption cases that I'd work, all the police corruption cases involving LAPD, involving Rampart people, involving other people that were involved in LAPD that committed, you know, home invasion, robberies, bad shootings, planning evidence, you know, stealing evidence, all that sort of stuff. I'm looking at this from a police and corruption involvement. Okay. My goal okay. is not to solve a murder. My, my goal is to find out if LAPD was involved. Now, in the course of that investigation, it's pretty likely that then, yeah, obviously we would be able to solve who committed the murder and who orchestrated it. That, that is my angle on it. But you're, so getting back to the whole biggie thing, from your standpoint, you're telling Don and I today that you just believe this narrative that Poochie killed Biggie based on Teresa Swan's statement, and you just got done stating that she's not even exactly sure about who did it or why they did it, and then Keefe D, your, your whole basis of saying that I, this is who I think killed Biggie is based on those two people.
Just, I just, just want to make sure I understand Swan. this. Not Keith, not Keith yeah. B. Okay, um, so on, you're on Teresa Swan. Okay, yeah. let me tell you this. The reason I'm pretty positive, uh, like 99.9% sure, who orchestrated the murder and who killed Biggie, it's not based on one person like Teresa Swan, okay? It's based on numerous, seven or eight different informants, numerous operations, numerous analysis on, on people's phones, it's on surveillance. It's on looking into people's companies. Okay. It's talking to people that were involved with death row records. It's, it's talking to, to other police officers. There's an entire case on that. It's not based on one person. And what I don't understand is, is when you go out there in the public and you start, say, badgering the case that, that I worked and you start badgering the FBI and that we don't know what we're talking about. You're basing 100% your opinion on one female that you're telling me is not even sure that she knows what she's talking about. It does. She, I mean, no, Reggie, you're better, you're she's better not than sure. this, man. Hold on, come on, Phil. She just said she don't know if he carried it out or not. She's not 100% sure that he carried it out or not. Exactly. But, yes. but, 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 yes. but, so, you're, but so then you're going to draw a conclusion from that and that now you go out there and you start, you know, whether it be on a podcast, whether it be on a straight YouTube video, whatever the case may be, and you just sit there and you just you, you, you try to discredit not just myself, but the FBI and our entire case, all, all of my bosses, the assistant director that looked at the case, the whole prosecutive report, and you're not even aware of all that stuff, but you're still going to go to bat saying, yes, I believe this theory based on this one female. I just want to make sure I understand that correctly because I think you're better than that, Reg. I really do. Well, that's you what I believe. Uh, that's what you believe. Okay. That's what I believe. Okay. I believe. And I guess uh, in Reg, in closing, are you open if further evidence comes out to change your mind? Like, oh. are you going to say from here until the end, you believe what Greg Kading said is the theory. You believe Teresa Swan. Are you open for your mind to be changed? Yeah, well, but y'all got the narrative out that is Reggie Wright and David Mack and Rafael Perez that killed Biggie Small. I, I'm never going to say that I knew David Mack or Phil Perez, but I don't. And I would challenge Phil to bring any evidence that linked me to those two women. But there's none. I do not know these two men. That's a fair yes, assessment. Yes. I, 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 yeah, I'm yeah, not going to say that, that that isn't a fair assessment, Reg. And I will say personally, I never came out and said 100% that you were, were involved with Mac and Perez. I, I put forth information that I was given from various individuals or statements by varying individuals. But I never said that myself. I know for a fact that Phil Carson, as an FBI agent, never represented that. So I want to be okay. clear on that. Okay. And like I, I said, want to make sure, Reggie, I want to make sure that you understand that because if if you say that you have ever heard me say that you were uh, 100% involved in this murder, or if you can see any document that my name is on that says that you were involved in this murder, show it to me because it doesn't exist. I've never that's said all that. I want to hear. That's all I want okay. to hear because... Let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question then, too. Have right. you ever heard me say anything even negative about you? I'm just curious because you have no. a very strong... No, you haven't, have you? No, no, I haven't. Okay, okay. 
All right, we're good. Um, well, listen, I think that, Reg, I thank you very much, you know, for for coming on and and us talking. When I get off the phone, um, I'll get these files together and I'll send them to you as, you know, unedited raw. And we can just line up. Where are you going to release them on? Bomb first? On oh, bomb, bomb first. And like I said, um, it'll probably be Thursday since you're going to release yours Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And so sometime Thursday. Okay. And I'm not going to edit. I'm telling you now, I'm not going to edit anything. So I'm just going to put it unedited on online. I appreciate it. All hey, right. Hey, Reggie, by the way. You I, can I call me at any time. I just want you all to know my, my line is always open to you guys. Y'all can call me at any time. I'm I'm cool with you, Reggie. One thing I I, I don't want to have happen is mm-hmm. I, I I don't want you guys to edit things because things sometimes oh, I, get I taken out you. of context. They get let taken me, out of this. context. It would not be edited at all. Just like uh, okay. Don just said that uh, he's not going to touch it. I promise you, assure you that I won't touch it. And you'll right. call me on it if I do touch it. All right. Hey, it was good talking with you again. I do appreciate it, man. You as well. And you Thanks, as well, Don. Right. Thanks for. Thanks for um, reintroducing me, I guess, to Phil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Have a good day. All right. All see right. you, Reggie. Hey, is LJ still alive? LJ's still yeah. alive, and he's doing real well. Okay, good. Because I remember he was about to retire back in the 90s. <laughs> he was about to retire back then, well, in the 2000s. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell him you said hi. How's that? Because I'm still in contact All right. With him. All right. Hey, one thing I want to clear up. Let me say just one thing. Mike Colette. Sure. Uh, they, um, it was something that was put out on those air about Reggie Senior being there when Russell Poole died. Could y'all please clear that up? I did Reggie. not say that, Reg. I've never what? said that. I, I never have put that. I know that that is something that that RJ or Michael Carlin or one of those guys have said. I have never said that. I don't have any proof of that. I just want that to be clear. I never thought you your father was there. It, and Reggie, okay. Mike Coet never, Mike Coet never said that. Mike Coet's not been on. The no, I know Mike didn't say that. I was just saying Mike, Mike, uh, Mike was uh, there, and and he can verify that Reggie said oh, was not there. I got gotcha. you. I got what you're saying. No, I'm a, okay, I'm a cool. big fan of Michael, Mike Coet, big fan. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, thank you. I want to thank Reggie for the interview, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Dossier. Two things to clear up. I found an article from the Register Guard newspaper in Eugene, Oregon, in July of 2018. In the article, David Mack is quoted talking about his time running track for the University of Oregon. Here's the quote. It was a culture shock when I came in 1979, being a little kid from Compton, growing up in the concrete jungle and coming to this, Mack stated. I know there was some disagreement between Phil and Reggie, whether David Mack was from Compton. I hope this clears it up. Mack also attended Locke High School, a charter school in Los Angeles. Lastly, I had not listened to the Valletta Wallace interview on The Breakfast Club that Reggie references, but here is verbatim what was said. Is it hard to watch like the unsolved stories that come on and the series and stuff like that that they've done? On Yes. Oh, yes. But we... we... It's not done yet. We're still fighting. You know, it's it's still there. Right. You know, we're, we're not, I'm not going to give up. And um, I, I'm sure when it comes to CJ, he wants justice also and also his daughter, Tiana. She's asking you about how, how you feel when you're watching. 
unsolved mysteries. No, the, like the, the, the thing that Wavy did in the oh, unsolved. Oh, okay. Uh, on, what was that? Be honest with you, I watched it. <laughs> and um, there's some things that went on I knew about it. I told him I wasn't going to be a part of it, but I watched it. And I'm glad it was out. I am glad because 98% of it is true. I hope if you have learned anything in this podcast is that context is everything. To be clear, Unsolved was a scripted TV series. And that means it was fiction. It wasn't a documentary based on truth or facts. Don't get that confused. That Valletta Wallace has stated in public the following. When Greg Kading had come to see her in Brooklyn, she had refused his offer to meet his prize witness, Teresa Swan. I told him I would only meet with her if she was locked up. I told Kading I would believe his case was true only if the people he said were responsible had been arrested. I was never with Greg Kading or on Greg Kading's side. Never. I've always believed still believe that the one person who truly tried to solve my son's murder was Russell Poole. If I'm with anyone, it's Poole, not Katie. Just remember I said this, context. Context is what is lost if you don't tell the full story or if you only use partial truths.